What up, what up, everybody? What do you do, baby? And welcome to another episode of the Balls to the Wall podcast. I am your host, Ignacio. And this is your boy, Javier. And tonight, we have a special guest with us. He is my brother. I'm sure some of you have heard Anton talk about uh, possible battles that they'd have the regarding simp. trash talk. Yeah. Carmelo simp. <laughs> Uh, so everyone, please welcome my brother Miguel. Yo, what's up, guys? Thank you, what's thank up, you for Mr. having me here. What's up, man? What's up, cuz? What's up, cuz? What's up, brother? What's up, buddy? Okay. All right. So before we before uh, before we get into it, just like as a tradition, we usually ask people to come on here who their favorite basketball player all time is and who their fav- what their favorite basketball team all time is. Uh, so, Javier and I already know this, but for our listeners, Miguel, who is your favorite basketball player all time? Man, there's a difference, dude. I mean, um, you're asking me about all time? Yeah. All time. Okay, all time, it would have to be Jordan. I know it's such a cliche, but yes, it would have to be Jordan. But if you're asking about recent times, then that's a little bit different because... Um, I, recent, times? recent times, I think you mentioned it already earlier. I'm, I'm a, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a mellow boy, and I'm not talking about Lamelo Ball. I'm talking about Carmelo Anthony. Mellow is the dude. He's the man. No way to go. Yes. So, um, why Carmelo? Um, I don't know. It just so happened that when I was in high school, I was following him a lot. Um, not stalking, but um, following him, you know, his career. He started out in Syracuse, uh, freshman, led Syracuse to the championship, and then eventually got drafted in the NBA. So even throughout his Syracuse days, I was following him. I admired how much, you know, heart he had put into that team to lead them to Uh the championship. Um, I felt bad that he went third overall. Effing LeBron went first, but you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, <laughs> here we go. Yeah, yeah but no, no, no. Um, in all seriousness, I did feel bad he still went third because I would have wanted him to go at least first or second. Darko, uh-huh. who's Darko, right? Um, yeah, so it, it was just really the you know, the heart, the the, the, the talent, and you know, uh, Sad to say, his college days are not the same as how he is now. I think he he's hit his prime, and he's sort of going down the decline. But I'm so happy that you know he found a home in Portland. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that's that's basically it. It was you know it was a it was a heart to heart, you know not heart to heart literally. But um, during the time I was following him, I was still also playing competitively in the varsity in high school and I wanted so much to have the same level of talent and level of heart that he brought especially to Syracuse yeah yeah all right all right what are the next and, questions for everyone? oh uh it was who is your favorite all it was or what is your favorite team like all time like if you could uh Talk about one team. Uh, what, who would it be? As cliche as it sounds again, 96, 97 Bulls. 
for me. Oh no, sorry. Not not like a spe- no no need for like a specific team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Just an NBA team in general. Okay. All time favorite team. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it would have to be the Bulls. Yes, in general. Okay. Yep. So. All right. So now that we got out of the way, we can actually get right into our discussion. And for tonight's discussion, we're gonna keep it a little light. We're gonna talk about uh, footwear. We're gonna talk about athletes' gear, and we give our own favorites. Um, and some like memorable, memorable shoes of our own, and all that. So first topic we have on is about athletic gear, and you would probably know more about this, Miguel, since you played basketball. How much did did you ever wear athletic gear when you played? And when I talk about this, I mean like a sleeve or any brace or, you know, you know that like shoulder compression thing that some NBA players wear. Yeah, yeah, the the more compression stuff now. No, um, when I was playing, it would always just be at the most um, braces, knee braces, um, arm braces, arm sleeves. Because at the time, that was when Iverson brought out the whole you know arm sleeve thing. And everyone just wanted to be like Iverson, so they started, you know, buying and selling all these arm sleeves. But me personally, the most I wore were compression socks, um, knee braces, and um, yeah, I think those two. That you know, there was a superstition behind it also for me, and I think that's also the same as how you know other basketball players would would also do it and like. What was your superstition? Mine, um, with the with the compression socks or the long socks, it was you know um, if I don't wear long socks, I'm not gonna score more than ten points. <laughs> if I wear long socks, I get a double double. That 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 okay. was my superstition, and you know somehow it stuck because every time I would wear long socks. I'd end up with like, you know, at least 10 points and at least 10 rebounds. So it stuck. And I think Ignacio can attest to that also. Yeah, you had long socks all over the house. Uh, <laughs> yeah, they were long. And... How many how many pairs of long socks do you think you had at any, at any point? <laughs> uh, dude, I think I had, uh, give or take, um, probably like 12 pairs lying around. Wow. Yeah, and you know some some of the same colors, some different colors. Um, when it would be game day, I'd be bringing two pairs with me, and then I'd decide which which specific pair I'd wear to the game. Or was it like a home and away situation? That did it have to match the jersey? No, not really. Um, it well matching the jersey somehow, but it would be more of matching the shoes. Ah, there we go. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so what about you, Javier? Whenever you would do your, whenever you do your, your thing, whether it be with cheer or with, uh, even just like playing recreationally, did you have any any gear that you would do or you would use? Uh, specific gear. Well, I wouldn't wear anything in general. Like I never really wore a lot of athletic gear, even in cheerleading or in basketball recreationally. Um. But as I got older, I started wearing uh, compression shorts. So that base layer uh, when I would play basketball recreationally just for that you know, extra sense of support. I mean, honestly, I'm not sure if it really does work. But you know how they say that you know, those base layers can like, keep you 
uh, feeling more, I guess, uh, one more like a one whole piece, I guess. Uh, in terms of uh, shoes, uh, I only have a few notable shoes that I do remember vividly because of how well they performed. But I guess we'll talk about that later on. Uh, yes, but at most, uh, in cheerleading, I would just wrap um, Mueller tape around my wrists mm. so that it would be easier for our flyers or the girls that we would carry to uh, grip our wrists. Because I, I, I do sweat a lot, so it makes it a little harder um, for my flyers. But in terms of my overall athletic gear, probably just compression shorts and maybe to add like a compression shirt, like a Nike Pro kind of thing. Just like a base layer, you know. Um, in terms of superstition, at most, just to follow up like what Miguel said, I'd write um, Bible verses on the soles of my shoe using pencil pen. But this these were only for uh, my competition shoes. So in cheerleading, here in the Philippines, we have uh, the UAP cheer dance competition where all of the schools come together and compete. So on game day or on competition day, uh, I'd write down my two favorite verses, uh, which I will look up now because I don't memorize what exactly they say, but they're very good verses that I try to live by. But aside from that, um, mm-hmm. nothing. I mean, you know those fads where if everybody's wearing a headband, you want to get one. So like be one with everybody else, or maybe like a what do you call those uh wrist wrist sleeves? Those like short ones that you use to like wipe the sweat off your face or something. You know things like that. But generally, uh, that's it. That's all for me. What about you, Ignacio? Hmm. I never really had anything for the arms, so most of my things came with uh with the ankles, because uh when when I would play frisbee. Or sometimes even football, the ground the ground would kind of mess up your ankle, especially if it wasn't taken care of right. Like mm-hmm. you can feel there there are bumps in the field and all that. Um, Miguel can attest to this also because he played football when he was younger too. Mm-hmm. True. And so so sometimes I'd put something for my ankle, just because like it'll get really sore the morning after, and I I I, I thought it was like okay if I play best to just put it there to help protect it, to help keep it stable. Mm-hmm. For basketball, I never really had any sleeves. Uh, I used the headband once when my hair was really long, just because like when, when I'd get sweaty, like my hair would fall into my face and it's kind of it's hard to do like a Manu Ginobili, like comb, comb your hair <laughs> behind your ears, Steve Nash kind of thing. Yeah, for real. Uh, but other than that, no, not really. I would wear. Uh, I guess when it would be like hot days in frisbee, if I, if I forget to bring sunblock, I always just bring like a, a long sleeve compression shirt, and that's what I'd use. Uh, I still get kind of dark though, but you know. Uh, but for the listeners that don't know, so I'm gonna swing it to a, a different kind of way. Uh, for the listeners that don't know, my brother got injured. He got ACL injuries before, so. I remember ever since that time, ever since then, he would always have a a knee brace with him. So I want to ask Miguel: Does that having that knee brace did it kind of change your feel for the game or the way that you played? Uh, you know, to be honest, it was it was the injury that changed everything. Um, it wasn't about you know the recovery and having the knee brace after. It was after after the first 
because yeah, Ignacio mentioned I got ACL injuries, but just to elaborate on that, both my ACLs were were torn, and 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 I mean both knees. So, um, ever since the first ACL injury that I got, and then when I did the recovery and I started playing again, it just became super mental that. Um, I felt that my knee would just buckle if I wasn't wearing a knee brace. So I invested in so many types of knee braces for that first ACL injury. And I don't know, it just never felt the same. It just never felt like, you know, I could have the same explosiveness. I could have the same, you know, jump height or vertical leap. Or, you know, I, I couldn't really jump that high to begin with. Or at least I felt like I did, but um, you know, it just never felt the same. But at the same time, not having a knee brace felt so incomplete when I'd be playing again. And mm-hmm. um, I started with just one knee brace because that was the only knee, or I only had one torn ACL anyway. And then when I started mm-hmm. playing again, and then I tore the other ACL, I felt like okay crap, I need another knee brace if I'm going to be playing again. So I started investing on like different types of knee braces for, you know, both knees as in like a pair up. Um, which which knee went first? It was my left knee that went first. All right. So, and then how long before you, you uh, tore the other one? I think it was a good two or three years before I tore the other one. But I wow. think it was, you know, it it happened because of like after the first one I'd put so much more weight and effort on the other knee and then you know oh, it no. just started you know just becoming weaker and weaker and weaker until it finally gave in plus of course my weight gain didn't have you know didn't help at all um, weight mm-hmm. gain plus uh, what else all, all the other stuff that I'd be doing you know on the side like I, I wasn't really a healthy guy, basically, um, after my my first ACL. Plus, you know, it, it, it really dragged me down. But again, going back to the topic, going back to the knee brace thing, um, <laughs> it, I don't know. I just felt really incomplete without a knee brace if I'd be playing. Even if I, even, you know, even if I was just shooting around, even if it wasn't really a scrimmage, I'd be mm-hmm. shooting around. I just felt weird without it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, I have one. So I'm sure you've also known other guys, uh, whether your former teammates or friends that would play, that also got injuries. Uh, do they say the same thing? Like with you, like do they also feel incomplete if they don't play with a knee brace, or do they feel like there's some there's um, something there? Not, not, not to that sense. They we'd share the same sentiments in terms of what the injury did to them mentally, but. Um, in terms of gear, like a lot of them, a lot of them still play without knee braces right now. Um, you know, and some of them are were professional basketball players that you know tore their ACLs, but then you know they're they're still playing without it. I mean, um, I think if you're looking at NBA players, look at Zach Levine. He threw he you know he tore his ACL and he's playing without a knee brace right now. So that's true. You know, it, true. I think it. it really varies you know person to person how they handle it mentally Mm -hmm. um i think it also has a lot to do with how the recovery process went for you and you know if you keep Mm -hmm. it all in your head 
then definitely it's going to affect you. You're going to want to have gear to protect that specific part of your body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's agree. So did the, did the doctor ever recommend that you keep the knee brace on? Like, was it doctor recommended or was he like, you can choose to play with one without... Nah, you know what's funny? After the first ACL, um, the doctor actually told me that I could play exactly the way I would play mm-hmm. before because supposedly the the what's this the ligament that was replaced is actually stronger so mm-hmm. what they did just i mean for for you guys that don't know what what they do when you tear your acl they actually get a part of your hamstring because the hamstring is one of the thicker ligaments in your body right and they use that as the replacement of your acl so technically when you do a rip, an acl uh repair surgery then your new ACL is stronger. So you're supposedly able to play better and more worry-free than before. But again, it becomes mental. Eh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, did you ever have any injuries, uh, Javier? Uh, any, like, major Throughout the years, I mean, aside from your typical sprained ankle, not not... No major injuries on my end. Uh, I was always careful. I did probably sprain um, quite a few fingers more than I would have liked during my cheerleading days, especially since Mm -hmm. you really have to watch out uh, when you're doing your stunts because if you don't, then you can probably, you know, sprain your finger, hit it, or, you know, thank God I didn't break any. But uh, Mm -hmm. probably my ring finger was hit a lot because, I mean... I guess most of the time, a lot of us aren't really aware of it. I mean, until it happens, you know, and that's when it screws up. But uh, no serious injuries. I did have a friend, a couple of friends, though, that broke their arms during cheerleading. Um, there was this one time I was helping uh, my teammate spot. And uh, I did spot, but I guess the bone wasn't strong enough when um, she did the backflip. So right in front of me, as I was spotting her properly, uh, I heard it break so yeah like right in front of me i was probably like less than a foot from her and uh what happened was you know the sound when um i guess you hear like a stray dog chewing on a chicken bone and then you hear it break yeah something like that but like underwater because it was inside the arms which is like a like that I don't know, man. Yeah, bone chilling. I mean, mm. especially being right there. So that was something else. But uh, you know, personally, no injuries on my end. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty safe. I mean, it is on my bucket list to break a bone. <laughs> I haven't serious. crossed that off yet. <laughs> so uh, I mean, I have a weird okay. bucket list, man. Honestly, <laughs> we can talk about that yeah. another time. But yeah, uh, what about you, Ignacio? Any, yeah. any crazy injuries over the years? Uh, just worst. Injury that happened to me was a guy landed on my back. Uh, he was trying to catch. He was trying to catch something, um, but because I was taller than him, I he realized he couldn't, he couldn't reach it. So he kind of he jumped from behind, realized he couldn't reach. He kind of piggybacked on me, and both of his knees, uh, as we fell down, both uh, of his knees pressed on my back. Oof. So first, so first thing I did was, like first thing I did when I kind of came to to what was happening is I felt uh I tried to wiggle my fingers, just making sure that, you know, I could I could still feel and nothing nothing uh-huh. bad happened. 
it wasn't serious, thank God. It was more just like a bru a bruise on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, still a pretty scary moment. I I, I got pissed at them because it was kind of rough play. Uh, but nothing, nothing really like that. Uh, there's one I do want to ask for for both of you. Uh, just as a general, before we get into it in depth a little later, sure, go ahead. when uh when you get like an ankle sprain or in or other injuries, would you change your footwear? Like, would you be more doing more research on like what's what's better padded, which one can cushion things better, which one has better uh, movement for the foot, all that. Uh, let me go first. Uh, let's start with yeah, go over. Oh, okay. Go ahead, yeah. Um. Oh, you know okay. what's funny? I sprained my ankle so many times that um, there was a time that I had an X-ray done, and the doctor was telling me that um, there's a really, really thin ligament that's just holding my foot together, and one more sprain and that's gone. So, okay. like, uh, so what am I supposed to do? Then he was the one who told me actually that to you know consider changing the. F- you know, the shoes that I wear, especially since I was so active. Um, and you know this, Ignacio, I would never buy low-cut shoes anymore. Um, when when I'd play basketball, yeah. there was one time that we were sponsored shoes and they were low-cut. And I never really wore them to games because I was scared, you know, like out of my mind if I was wearing low-cut shoes. Yeah. Um, in terms of doing research uh, with padding and all that, not really on the padding. It was really more of I wanted at least a mid-cut to a high-cut shoe on me mm-hmm. just so I know I have that protection on the ankle. So, yeah, that, that's, that's that, that was basically it. it. And then, you know, other than that, um, aesthetics was more. But, yeah, we'll get into that later. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll get into that. Yeah. Uh you have your uh, for me, well, um, you know, ever since Kobe started wearing all of those low cut shoes, um, I never really believed in that, that they could, you know, make you more I guess in a way, you know, low cut shoes could make you more flexible and all that, but I also stuck to that old school idea that you might be able to roll your ankle um a little farther with low cut shoes. I mean at most the low cut shoes that the lowest cut shoes I ever had, if you do consider them low cut shoes, were the KD nines. I think I have to check it out. But um, mm-hmm. the KDs right after he had that extremely long uh, sock-like thing. I don't know what KDs are those, but uh, those are funny. But I I always wore like mid to high cut shoes because um, mm-hmm. I guess I'm a player uh, that always sought out support um so generally high cut shoes and like i like my um outriggers um wider just so that you know there's that extra width or the base if you will for like a foundation whenever you plant whenever you jump and then you land you know you feel more stable so Mm -hmm. stability and high cut shoes were always like my thing what about you ignacio For me, I was just always looking for shoes that would kind of accommodate being able to move around a lot easier. Uh, I, I I always took like football shoes into consideration with it because uh, there's not really any high cut 
football shoe. The one of the one of Cristiano is really kind of just like a like a sock kind of thing, mm. like what Javier was saying uh-huh. with the KD. Uh, I always felt a little more constricted. I I don't know. I think it's a mental thing for me. I always felt a little more constricted if I wore high cut shoes. I mean, I, I I don't know. It was a little harder to to, to put on for me. <laughs> Uh, a little harder to yeah, a little harder to take off. Uh, but I I always found comfort with the low cut with the low cut shoes, just as long as it had like good uh, cushioning for when you land, uh, and could actually you know was was good for your feet like when you'd run. But I didn't really have that much problem with it. So now that we can so anyway we can leave that one behind and since we were talking about gear. Who are players that you know you guys will always associate one piece of gear with, like one piece of athletic gear? So, like, I'll I'll give an example. Iconic gear: the goggles by okay. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. That's fair. He, he'd use them. He'd use them to kind of like make sure that he wasn't mm-hmm. he wouldn't get poked in the eye yeah. when when he do it when he do his shots because he's tall, but. That's like one piece of gear. Like when you see basketball player and goggles, one of the first things you think of is, "Oh shit, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar." Yeah. Uh, you guys, uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. Um, obviously AI with the arm sleeves. Uh, uh-huh. who else? Um, I would you consider short shorts as athletic gear? Because, like, for some reason. <laughs> No, 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 because, like, for sure, some reason, we can... even, like, you know, fairly modern <laughs> we can, we can. NBA, right? You associate short shorts with, like, mm-hmm. John Stockton because he never wore knee-length shorts. Yeah. So that, that, that yeah, mm-hmm. so that, that, that yeah, was we, me, we um, counted. You know, the arm sleeve, the short shorts. Uh, top of my head, those two. Yep. I have, I have one okay. with AI. Um... He, ha- right, he had the right, finger right, sleeve. Right, yeah. Remember that? He had like, he the, like a bunch that weird finger sleeve. Like, he had like have? two or three at a time, right? And then it would like yeah. it would like hold so. the ring finger <laughs> and the middle finger together for some weird reason. I don't know. Yeah. AI also started the baller bands, I think, right? The, the... Yeah, the, yeah, that was so weird. Yeah, I think he started out with the baller bands, the whole WWJD bands. That was AI. Yeah. Yeah. I remember Nike had those, and then yeah, it would yeah. say like baller player yeah, yeah. respect, yeah, yeah. and like we were all over it, and we were like, yeah, we gotta get yeah, one. And you know, you felt like you were the shit when you had it. Yeah. For real though. Yep, that's fair. Uh, for me, it's so funny because like it's overpriced. Like it was like you, you had to pay like five hundred dollars, five hundred pesos for one. And <laughs> I know silicone. It is. It's just yeah. like absurd. Yeah, sorry, sorry, you were saying. Uh, for me, in terms of aesthetic gear, I don't know who started with the masks and all, but you know, I mean, in recent NBA memory, when you know all of these players started getting injured one way or another, they started wearing masks. So you have like, you know, Mask LeBron or uh, I guess Mask Kyrie, you know, all of those. The memeable ones are the ones that I remember. But uh, with the other mm-hmm. things that you guys said, yeah, definitely AI for the arm sleeves. Um, 
was it AI or or was there like a particular player that really rocked the headband like really well? Uh, or was it like a general thing that everybody was just like wearing headbands during that time? Uh, was there a particular player? Um, I, I I can't say yeah yeah because yeah, I think I everyone say. I mean I um, think it was more of how they wore the headbands because there were some that would wear all the way down to the eyebrows that looked weird. That's and true. then like some would have the NBA logo or the the brand logo like off off center. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Or, or maybe at the back, where yeah. they flip the headband around so that there's no yeah. branding whatsoever. All right, that's fair. But yeah, for me, it's the masks, and um, I think generally just the masks because they were like pretty funny stuff, especially yeah. for the memes. Would you cons Miguel? Would you consider the the arms the armband the one like Larry Johnson armband. would wear? Like the one all the way up to the bicep area. Like it's like that. No, no, no. Like just oh, just around the forearm. Right, yeah, right. just around the forearm area. Cause like, cause like off the top of my head, the few that I can think of that were like that were Larry Johnson, Scotty that Pippen, was more for like and wiping Charles off Barkley. sweat. Like what Javier mentioned earlier. Yeah, you know, but I, I guess so. Maybe. Uh, Mike Bibby rocked the oh, headband. Oh, right, yeah. Right Bibby and, um, yeah, Bibby yeah. did it, yeah. I think... Uh, uh, I would... T-Mac? Yeah, go, go. T-Mac had, the, you know, the calf calf sleeve on his right leg, I think. That was, you know, for me, it was pretty okay. iconic also during the time because, you know... When people were wearing long socks or like ankle socks, he had like a, you know, he looked like someone wearing one long sock and, you know, the other leg just had nothing. So, yeah, that that, that was me. That was me. Uh, I got I got one for you guys. Um, Patrick Ewing and his knee pads. Um, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Ken, Ken. Mm-hmm. Patrick Patrick Ewing got the knee pads. Uh, I guess if you go like older NBA, like sixties and seventies, you'd have some of the players that would wear like gold chains on their neck, the, like while playing. Did MJ yeah, do he that did. The dunk contest? He did, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There. Yeah, he was it he his did. first dunk contest. You can kind of count his. You can kind of count his um arm sleeve. Yeah, the black right? and red one. I guess you can kind of associate it with him too. No, the yeah, well, the the one yeah, on your forearm, yeah, the one yeah, like uh, Larry Johnson. Too iconic, but yeah, maybe, maybe. I guess it really <laughs> depends on the generation too. I mean, like which uh, NBA generation had it. Uh, that's yeah. fair. Yeah, that that's true. It's fair. Because like the one now, I think he wore it later on in his career, but Melo had the. Mello had yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the padded, elbow pad. The padded the elbow arm sleeve. sleeve, yeah. The one that would be padded on. Even Mello yeah. with the headband. Denver, the, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Denver, New York. Uh, Denver, New York. Um, even till now. Even a little bit important. Let's just call it most cornrows. Yeah, with the cornrows. Yeah, post mellow, post cornrows. That's what should I should do a topic on that, like iconic NBA haircuts, if there were any. Yeah, yeah. we'll we'll probably do that another day. 
uh, from from changing. Yeah, I have a uh, question. So sorry, we're done with that question. one. Let's get to the next um, one. Since we were talking about iconic mm-hmm. gear, was there any specific piece of gear that you guys wore that you've just felt like you can do anything in it? Okay. Yeah. I had one. Oh, before Yo. anything, let's welcome Anton to the podcast. Wait, here? What's up, Anton? Why? Why? Oh, you you joining Why the party? Sound like you're in a cave, dude. He's tell us the echo. Anton sounds actually pretty far away. Turn off your yeah, reverb or your echo. There you go. What's up, man? What's up? What's there. Up? Right. So what I missed, what I missed. So uh, just to give you, so just to give you, 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 I guess you can also kind of answer in your own. Um, so the, the topics we talked about already, uh, athletic wear influencing play. Um, have you ever had like a piece of gear that you would wear? Or do you think like a piece of gear would influence how a person would play? Like if someone puts on a, yeah, a definitely sleeve. influences my play. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah, like, uh, no sure. <laughs> sure. <laughs> no, but like, so for example, one of the things that I said was my brother would wear a knee brace when he would play because he didn't feel complete wearing it. Uh, Not really more would you have anything like that? To wear a knee brace. It's more aesthetic. Is, are we the, okay. The Okay. I guess both. Like, it was for my brother a practical thing, and mm. I'm not. I don't know how many percent similar, of it is actually like aesthetic. Similar would be like the Nike went through this like phase where they went like arm sleeves, the tight ones. You know, it wouldn't really contribute much to the shot, but it looks mm-hmm. really nice. Yeah, I probably could be one of those people during like high school, mm-hmm. college. Definitely that. Just arm sleeves, mm-hmm. the knee brace. Okay. Uh, maybe once or twice, but I kind of felt uncomfortable because you know, just start to sweat and it just kind of bothers me throughout the entire time to play the game. Okay. Okay. Uh, and the next one we talked about was players uh who have iconic gear. So one example that we gave was. Alan Iverson with the sleeve, mm-hmm. with the arm sleeve, and Alan Iverson with the finger sleeves. So, do you have any any player in mind that has like well, iconic I gear? Necessarily call it gear, but Kobe was very like um, particular about having his fingers wrapped throughout most of his game, especially during like the latter part of his career. Uh, mm, would okay. you consider like the headman, like even during a particular course? Uh, LeBron's career, he went through a headband phase. It's only now that he, you know, with the whole Benson fixing his hairline that kind of mm-hmm. took away the headband. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we talked about we talked about it's like headband. Yeah, everyone pretty. We much can't really say like one headband. particular player rocked it better than yeah, everyone I think, else. Uh, AI is the perfect example. You yeah, know, you gotta agree with everyone there because not only did he have the RMC made the finger sleeves work and he just had this 90s icon vibe that kind of transgressed um, from basketball mm-hmm. to hip-hop. I think he found a way to merge both cultures, which is great. Which players before him weren't really able to do. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. We could probably talk about that in a future episode. Basketball and hip-hop. Oh, yeah, for oh, sure, yeah. dude. You can't Definitely. separate the two. Yeah. Okay, so now we move on to the next one. Favorite or not favorite. First memorable basketball shoe. You guys remember the first memorable basketball shoe it's that you Anton, had? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anton, yeah. Anton, because he's the new one here. Yeah, no, I got to say, I'm not okay. even going to go for the usual brands of Nike, uh, Adidas. I got to go with End One. Specific shoe that has a thumbprint. I remember that was one of my first pairs. It was a red and white colorway. Had zero appeal in terms mm-hmm. of like how to use in a basketball court, but it was fashionable at that time. Like peak 90s to 2000s, it was like outlandish. But there's something in like the only way to describe it in Tagalog is like angas, ang angas ng appeal compared to the Nikes and Adidas at that time. And one just similar to what I mentioned earlier with Iverson, they kind of were able to match hip hop in their brand. So yeah, that's a memorable memorable shoe for me. And mm-hmm. one KG one. Mm-hmm. Those were the those were the low cut ones, right? Okay, yeah, yeah I, I pulled it up. Do you? Yeah. Honestly speaking, man, horrible basketball shoe, but it just looked really nice. Horrible, it was yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it, it, it it looked like well, I don't know. It it wasn't functional. Yeah, it wasn't. It just looked really like oh swab. I'm, I'm like with the elephant pants. And those True. Shoes, you were like True. Okay, and the, the bobbly pants. It was the peak two thousand. So you yeah, knew, I, yeah, yeah, you were yeah. uh, you know that, that generation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's, that's when I am. Got Javier. Uh, first one. Uh, uh, I'm gonna follow up. Yeah, with Javier, you first, first memorable. memorable. But definitely not my favorite was also End One. I don't remember mm-hmm. the name of the shoe, but I can draw it for you one of these days. Um, I was trying to find it online a while back, and I can't find any photo of it whatsoever. It was blue and white, and it was End One, and like I just balled out in those shoes because mm-hmm. like you know those were like the only pair that I had, so I knew that you know. It came to a point where, you know, you played so much in them that, you know, you wore out the sole itself and you started seeing, like, that first layer after that outsole. Like, because we only had concrete courts, you know, out there. So, mm-hmm. nothing indoors whatsoever. But um, I'll never forget it. I just don't know what its name was because it was such a long time ago. I think it's like a general release. No, it's no, not, not the Tai Chi's. Tai Chi's are like, those are iconic, though. Yeah, definitely. Nothing, no, no name okay, basketball like player a, associated with it. Just like super, yeah, definitely like super generic, super general release. Like just plain, simple N1. And, you know, I mean, we all know that N1 isn't with us anymore. Well, I think it is. They but, are know, actually still alive. They're still around, yeah. man. Yeah. They now, actually have some players signed to them. I have to check that out. I have to do my research. But anyway. Um, yeah, and one for me, first memorable basketball shoe. And then my next one, well, if we go to favorites, why not? But uh, yeah, I'll pass it to you, Miguel. Oh, gosh. First memorable. I have quite a few, but oh. first memorable basketball shoe. It's not even Nike. It was, it was, I, I know, it was uh, the pro models of Adidas. 
pro models, high cut version, black and white. Um, they were just, you know, the first shoes that I owned that I wore that I felt like, hey, I'm going places in these shoes. <laughs> like, I felt like I could do everything. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> that was the f- that was the year that I was first accepted into the varsity. So I had those pro models and right. everyone was, you know, everyone was rocking their um, Air Maxes and whatever, whatnot. But I had the plain, simple pro models, black and white. And, you know, they ended up becoming brown after that year. But Oh, no. Yeah, because I never really washed them or cleaned them after <laughs> a game. So I just leave them with, you know, with a drying up sweat everywhere. So they ended yeah. up becoming brown. But they still were the first ever <laughs> that, you know, I, you know, quote unquote, loved. Yeah. What about you, Ignacio? So the first one I remember, because this is when I got a little more traction into playing, like I, I joined my first direct league with this one and all that, was the oh, yeah, LeBron yeah, 2s. Those, yeah. okay. the, one with the, the one with the strap. The, it was blue, white, and gray, like mostly gray. And then it had like the straps on mm-hmm. uh, over the laces. It was Nike. It said one had the swoosh logo of Nike and one had the Nike. So that was definitely one of my favorite. One of the first one, uh, my first memorable one because uh, I think after, since I got those, I started playing in like direct leagues. Uh, I started playing a little more competitively, not to the level of my brother because I never got to the varsity, but. Those ones, those, those ones kickstarted it for me. Sorry, those uh, were the shoes that were yeah, go. given to you, and they were like a size and a half too big, right? <laughs> and, no way. So yeah, yeah they looked like clown shoes on yes, me, man. He grew into them. Nice. Yeah, I had to, <laughs> I had to grow into them. Um, before we move on to the next one, um. For Miguel and Anton, do you guys remember the movie yeah. uh, Artificial Intelligence? Which one? Do you remember what shoe that was? Sorry, did you, did you say something, Anton? I, could, I couldn't hear. Uh, mm, uh, Can hardly hear, Anton. I'm sorry, I'm pretty far from the Anton mic. sounds so far away. Sorry, I was uh, leaning back. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to figure out what shoe you're referring to. Yeah, which what shoe? It was the one, the one that was worn by uh, Haley Joel Osment, or like the clone of Haley Joel Osment or something. Hmm. Is that the white one? I mean, I'm trying to look it up now. I'm not finding anything. There's a there's a Nike shoe in artificial intelligence. Yeah, it's a white, like really sleek white. But I can't really see the particular like model. Oh, those thingies. But, <laughs> those thingies. No, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what it, I don't know what they are. Are they the ones that look like socks? It kind of looks like, mm-hmm. it kind of looks like a 
talk to mm. you. If you think about it, you're looking like like an indoor shoe. Yeah. Anton sounds really far sorry, away. You sorry, okay, yeah, brother? Grip shoe. I think it's a grip shoe. Oh, okay. Who made those? Uh, looks like it's Nike. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really? I don't know. I remember it was one of them, but I remember seeing those shoes. Uh, like one of the first big ones. Well, one of the so first that, ones that I saw in the movies. Anyway. Yeah, I, I remember that. It was like, I can I can never tell which one this was, but I could always remember it. Like, right, I, I remember that movie because of that shoe. It, it just says, it says grip shoes. Yeah, grip All right. Or Space Odyssey grip shoes. I'm surprised, though, yeah. that none of us ever mentioned, like, the T-Max series as a memorable shoe. Especially the one with, the, like, T-Mac? Yeah, the T-Max series where um, you had, like, you guys remember <laughs> this model where it would tighten around your foot? That was the most useless technology. <laughs> like, pointless. You know, it's like, oh, they were hyping it up to be this fantastic shoe. <laughs> but the worst thing it gave you is, like, other than, like, foot odor, it just made your foot swell like crazy. Yeah. Well, is this the one that came in, like, the blue and yeah, the red? Yeah, and then it had a black mm. and white. It just oh, it was chunky yeah, yeah, as yeah, hell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but everyone seemed yeah, to buy I know. it. Everyone bought into it, including me. And I was like, oh, I'm going to be, like, better off course. And, like, a game later. Dude, I wanted the blue ones. Yeah, but. Uh, you got off course. They, they I mean, like. They were, they were expensive they as were. hell, too. And the thing is, you'd get, like, cramps faster than any other regular shoe. Because yeah, it was so heavy. How it was tightening it. around your foot. Yeah, just the tightening and the weight. Because there's like, apparently the technology at that time was that there was additional weight to help your vertical, supposedly, which is pointless. Because Filipinos can't really jump as high. <laughs> I'm, I'm still trying... Speaking of, speaking of odd shoes, well, <laughs> did, you, uh, did you guys ever buy into the hype of the, the Kobe and Audi shoe? Nah, man. Nah. Not, not because I didn't want to, that... but I think it was nah. more the wallet couldn't take it. But it wasn't that, well, it was sleek, but I never really, I don't know. Personally, I thought it was, it was ugly, personally. Yeah, I mean. I mean, for a Kobe shoe. It, was, it wasn't his best shoe, I gotta agree. Yeah. I'm trying to remember this they were trying shoe. Too hard. Uh, it was one of the hyper series mm-hmm. of Nike back in. Um, I think this was early 2000s. They were like a bit chunky, but really light. They came in all kinds of... Colors. The Hyper Dunks. I think, yeah, the original mm-hmm. Hyper Dunks. You guys remember what those looked yes. like? Yes. Yep. Yes. I had yeah, those. Yeah, man, I had like this light blue one. Mm-hmm. It was actually a pretty decent basketball shoe. It was. It was. It really was. And, you know, the whole commercial of Kobe jumping over the yeah. car? That, that was it. The Hyper Dunks. And I don't know. It... Although those were the shoes that gave me my second oh, ACL, well, there. Oh, so maybe no. not the best. Yeah, <laughs> not nah. the best I mean, one. I I I <laughs> love those shoes, honestly. <laughs> I love those shoes, but you know, after I got my second ACL, I'm like, nah. Yeah, you know, and they they okay. look great. I'm sure they feel great the first time, but after like the second injury, maybe not so much. No, the thing yeah. with those shoes, though, when when you like wear them for so many games. Yeah. 
they thin out like hell. As in, they you can feel the floor on your feet. They bottom out like right away. Yep, yep. yep. That's that that that's the thing I didn't like about those the original Hyperdunks. But you know, it they were pretty. They they were really nice. I gotta say, like the Hyper series yeah. in general, they came came out with such great designs. Yeah. And then when the whole Kobe, you know, the longer, higher cut hyper dunks came out, those are uh, I gotta say though, the, those are really nice my too. My favorite had to be though the hyper series, the hyper flights were like crazy. They like design wise. I mean, yeah, yeah. In terms of like functionality and on court, not so much, but it just looked so nice. Cause it was like it was a mix of like hard plastic <laughs> on the outer. Soul. So you're not really sure it would work for the court, but it looked so flashy. Yeah. <laughs> True. Uh. Oh, I did. Do you guys ever have I like the a Reebok basketball before with shoe? the pumps? With a with a you know the manual pump thing of Reebok that was their Insta you know pump? that was their, yeah the Insta pumps. Yeah. I had those, and then I even had the Shaq shoe that had the. Instead of the Insta pump, you would buy like a cartridge full of air and then just oh, stick no, it in the side yeah. of the shoe. And then, yeah, and then that would like, <laughs> and then your shoe would like bubble up and you're like, whoa, that's so oh, cool. My God. I had those shoes. And yeah, I regret having those shoes, but I had those shoes. <laughs> that's true. I mean, I can't believe we all bought into the <laughs> marketing of all of these companies back then. Well, you got to be honest. It was fantastic like, marketing now, to convince you. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic marketing, though. I'll, I'll give them that. But I guess now that we're older, we just look for yeah. shoes that you know are comfortable or that simply work. I yeah. Mean, uh, but moving on, I mean, talking mm-hmm. about first memorable basketball shoes, do you have like a favorite pair in particular that you guys have? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What? Yep. Anton, are we looking oh, at like current topic, yeah. or just overall? <laughs> no, like time. Throughout your years of playing, was there like a okay a memorable favorite pair that um you just had like your favorite pair in terms of whatever performance oh. memories? Was there like a pair that you mm-hmm. loved so you much? Know what? Uh, yeah, and it's not because let's have yeah, let's have two just two let's have really two. so it's like sorry, Anton. <laughs> just kidding. No, no, no. I mean, what I, what I mean yeah, too I is oh, like, okay. let's okay. have one for style and one for play. And then I, then, okay. yeah, then I guess we can also have one where we okay. would use it um, both. I guess if we're so, to... sorry for cutting you off, Anton. Uh, go. Not, like for hype these purposes, I gotta go with something nostalgic. Mm-hmm. The original Prestos for me are like timeless. Like, um... You would wear Prestos no, for No, no, no. This is style. Um, oh, definitely for style, uh-huh. not for balling, man. Like running at best during like grade school when Prestos were in because they were not really nice to look yeah. at. Like, you know, when you pretend yeah. run just because you look good, not really run, run because like <laughs> there's dirt on my shoe. No, that that kind of running. Yeah. <laughs> but um, in terms of style, yeah, definitely the Prestos became an all variant. Yeah, they were like the perfect shoe at that time. Um, for basketball, though, performance-wise, I will have to go back all the way to LeBron 9s. The, they kind of had a mesh wire. Ooh. I remember getting yeah, this yeah, pair of, yeah. like, I think it was the Dunk Man, the green and black. It was such an iconic shoe for me. Nice. And it, Like, performance-wise, more than the witness, I like the way it was, like, so secure. 
like it didn't feel like yeah. it was too heavy and you could really run and not feel like it on your foot as much mm-hmm. which is great uh yeah the all-star version of that was oh, really yeah. nice I could not afford it man like especially at that point the only <laughs> reason i was able to buy that nine was technically milk my like ninang oh well, you haven't given me a gift in like how many years it's a nice shoe oh you got your godmother yeah. all right come on man right. like you know godmother for title purposes i got to see her again she's like well, what do you want like you're in new york right <laughs> why not <laughs> why not <laughs> yeah but yeah yeah definitely <laughs> and the brown nines for me were like iconic <laughs> uh who's next oh for both Mm-hmm. And for both, that is... yeah, like one you would use for both style and play. No, you know what? I gotta say the pair. Or do you want to circle back to you for that one? Like we can all give it after we're in mix of style and basketball. Mm-hmm. You know, function, like for the function wise, it's the LeBron 16 Monsters because design wise, mm-hmm. it looks mm-hmm. great. That you can wear it for outside, mm. but its main purpose is really meant for the basketball court. But I've never used it on the basketball mm-hmm. court, so it's just too pretty. Okay. Like, yeah. Through that, he's not wrong. Like it's too pretty. Yeah, plus you're kind of like you know. <laughs> Where am I gonna go? You're stepping on your money. Yeah. Where am I gonna go? Where am I gonna play in the room? You can you know, play you in your garage. Basket, you know, you can pretend. To yeah. Play. I mean, like how we used to when you were a kid. Kobe. Yeah, they do that in the whole room. Kobe. I do that in the bathroom. Why? That's disturbing, dude. Why? What what the hell do you shoot in the bathroom? (laughs) Anyway, what about you? Moving on. Moving on. Get the awkward. Before we start talking about, like, moving. Yeah, moving. Um,. Let's let's <laughs> uh, let's let's go to Miguel. Uh, so, what's the most for iconic both. shoe that you've had? Style, style uh, for play and for both. Style would be if Anton had the Prestos, I had the Superstars, the the white Superstars, Adidas, all white. Yep, all white Superstars. Those were the you know. Adidas. During that time, uh-huh. in the age of elephant pants, mm-hmm. if you had elephant pants and white superstars, you're like, yeah, I am the shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so, you know, and, and I don't know, it, it just, yeah, th- those were like comfortable and like really stylish. You could pair it with anything, shorts, pants, whatever. Yeah. Um, if you felt like you wanted to look like you were actually exercising, mm-hmm. You had that mentality too if you were wearing a superstar shoe. And then uh, for play, surprisingly, it's not Nike, but I had my my most favorite pair of shoes were the Tai Chi's that I had mm-hmm. and one Tai Chi's. Um, I don't know. I just felt like they were the mm-hmm. most complete shoe for me. Uh, they would wrap around the foot exactly the, you know, at the right amount. And yeah. then they were light. They were really cushioned. Um, they were the exact height. They were, you know, they were mid cuts, I think, or a slightly higher mid cut. But what I liked most about the Tai Chi's that I had was the colorway, because that was the time that I was really like obsessed with mellow. Yeah. And um, the Tai Chi's I had were the Denver colorway, the mm-hmm. you know the the baby blue baby Tai Chi's. Blue. 
those were my favorite like shoes for play and every time I'd put those shoes on I'd be like mellow not not even Kobe mellow yeah and you know that was the time that (laughs) I felt so bad that he didn't win the rookie of the year thanks LeBron but um, but anyway um, you know that past is past but yeah those were my favorite shoes and for both Uh, I think it would also be the Tai Chi's, but a different colorway. I had, I think, I had a black, black and white Tai Chi colorway also that I'd wear for both. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but those black and whites I never really wore on the court, like competitively, but uh, more for the style because you know, black and white they were cool. Classic. Uh, yeah, classic black and white. But yeah, th- th- those were for both. I have so many other shoes that I love to wear in the court. But though mm-hmm. you know, those that would be my top choice. For real. Um, for mm-hmm. playing basketball, uh, you have to go with the Superfly Twos from Jordan, the one that Blake Griffin was rocking. Those for me were insanely perfect. You know, mm-hmm. the lockdown was great. I didn't really care about um, ventilation whatsoever. And the air sole inside the forefoot was huge, man. I mean, you could really, you could really feel um, like a like a bump on the outsole where the airbag would be, and you really definitely felt like you could jump a lot mm-hmm. higher. Like, I don't care if it was a placebo effect, but it was really so good. I played those to death until they blew out <laughs> under me um, playing a rec game. But, uh, yeah, those are my favorite basketball shoes of all time. I wish they would retro it. It's so mm-hmm. hard to come by it right now. I mean, I'd get them instantly if I ever found them again. But, you know, it's it's been a while. Mm-hmm. Um, for style favorite well probably the first one that Mm -hmm. got me into like the shoe game or me getting me addicted into learning more about shoes definitely the air max 90s um iconic i mean you know hats off to tinker for that Mm -hmm. they're amazing pair you know they have so many color combinations available but uh yeah it was such a great shoe uh pretty high to be honest because i mean the sole was pretty thick and uh for playing for both playing and for style, mm-hmm. I don't know, man. Like, I'd rock whatever I was wearing that day. Uh, there's a pretty good chance that most of the time I was um, wearing the Air Max 90s mm-hmm. on a regular day. And then somebody would say, hey, you want to play? And I was like, whatever, fine. I mean, I'd like to have basketball shoes, but I was wearing the 90s. So I just rocked them. And, like, you know, <laughs> they were horrible to play with honestly for basketball because you're just riding so high probably like I don't know with the airbag and the sole probably mm-hmm. almost like three-fourths of an inch off the ground and like not super stable so I do not recommend I mean I know some NBA players play with Air Max 90s you guys are crazy uh, props to you guys but yeah those are my three crazy stuff dude mm-hmm. So, for me, if we're talking style, I'm going to go like the route of my brother. It wasn't necessarily a basketball shoe. Uh, mm-hmm. So, these ones were called the Beckenbauer All-Rounds by Adidas. 
and they were just like really nice and clean looking shoes. Uh, they're not like the mm-hmm. super the the top of the foot like where your toes are. They weren't like the superstars, like you know yeah. you know how like the superstar has like a uh, relatively rough top there. Yeah, this one it's smoother. Mm-hmm. It looks it looks more like an indoor foot uh, football shoe, uh, or like for futsal or anything like that. Uh, those ones are definitely my favorites. I I remember having a pair when I was younger. Uh, I didn't know much about style then, but I always liked how they looked. Yeah, and they were easy to pair with anything because they were just black and white. For play, my favorite shoe that I've used for yeah, play Mello. has to be the Mellow M8 <laughs> Advance. <laughs> The M8 Advance, because um, I remember getting these in like, um, I, I got these in the States in one of the Nike outlets. Uh, I was able to cop it for really cheap, and I loved the way that I played in it. Uh, it was a little higher cut than I was more comfortable with, but that that I, I didn't mind it. Uh, I, felt, I felt pretty great in them. They looked pretty great to me. And for style and play... Uh, does it have to be something that I have owned, or it can well, even just be like? How would you know if you uh, played in them? N- not necessarily. I mean, owned. like you know. <laughs> okay, fine. So, <laughs> for style and for play, I would have to go with a LeBron Seven. Mm-hmm. Those were the ones that I used when I played in the states for like that one summer. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, those yeah, are the yeah, ones, yeah, right, yeah. Miguel? Those are the ones. Yeah. Yeah, the the LeBron sevens. Uh, I like the way that they. I like the feel of it. Also, it was really well cushioned. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. At the same time, I think that was like one of the first shoes that weren't all the way high cut. Mm-hmm. They 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 would they would kind of go low cut a little bit. Uh, yeah. So so that's for me. Um, if you guys could have a pair of shoes right now, though, that you would use for style play or anything, um, what would you have? So, if I can kick this off, I'll start. I think the one shoe that I want to have would be the mm-hmm. the Jordan Three in the it. next in the next Big. colorway. Because, like, yeah, yeah. no, there, there really, like no, the there really is. Three, there, it's really a, it's really a colorway of the Jordan Three, the next colorway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, let's if go I on your versus time. So, Javier, you, right what now, shoe would you have right now? I definitely could? have to go for the Mars Yard. Those things are insane. They look great. The story behind it is like amazing. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, they're so hard to come by. I've seen and I've held the pair. I know a guy here in Manila that has it. He's never gonna let it go. And it's also not my size, but wow, were they amazing. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe it. The insoles were like, you know, <laughs> doodles with, um, you know, all of these mathematical formulas for, you know, reaching Mars and all that. Amazing shoe and great color. Like, it's easy to wear because it's like beige white with like a red Nike swoosh. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, Mars Yard, oh, definitely. Those are my grails, to be mm-hmm. honest. It used to be, it used to be the acronym... Prestos, I think. But um, ever since I saw the Mars Yard, uh, there's something else, man. 
mm-hmm. I have to change careers right away. So yeah. What about you, Miguel? Gosh, now uh, if I were to have a shoe, um, I don't know. I'm I'm kind of obsessed with adapt for some reason. I mean, they're not they're not the most you know like aesthetically nice to look at, but um, I guess the technology behind it is something that I'm really like you know. If if I were still playing competitively, I'd want to try out that technology and see how it you know how it helps with the performance. Um, no specific colorways, but you know I just want you know I, I want to be able to try that out, try that certain technology out. Mm-hmm. That's it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just a dream shoe. Mm-hmm. You know what? I gotta say. Uh, and for you, Anton. Probably one, the if you could have one shoe. The ones that were based on Back to the Future. They're, it's your favorite movie, yeah, man. It's a McFly-inspired basketball shoe, so you can't go wrong. And when they came out with it, uh, <laughs> in 2014, 2016, around that period, it just stuck with me, man. And I tried those shoes on, like the model itself in mm-hmm. terms of basketball. They're pretty much one of my favorite basketball shoes to date. So just combining those two. Mm-hmm. It's like a dream for me. So yeah, Marty McFly mags, but in the hyper dunk model. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah, it's a dream well, shoe because I... I'm not spending two thousand dollars on a bench. <laughs> yeah, that's All another right. thing. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah, that that that's fine. That's fine. so. Well, we got we got into that. Um. We can actually get into yes, like sir. some basketball talk, so like we can do a quick run through of the scores today. Well, we should let Miguel uh, Don come in, give our opinions on it. So, first, yeah, let let let's see let's see if this is gonna be how how different this will be. So, first game we had uh, the Rockets ninety four, yeah, the dude, Charlotte yeah. Hornets one nineteen. Expecting uh, I was expecting Miguel it from Fox. Charlotte today. Um, they've been playing at a different level for the past few days, and you know, just the confidence level of Lamelo mm. is like I still don't skyrocketing like right now. I I don't, I like, him, don't like him, but yeah, I don't like him either. And he, you know, he does a whole three to the nape, which mm. is like, hey, dude, get your own thing. Um, but no, no, no. But in in all seriousness, the the confidence level of that guy right now <laughs> is just like it's it's way above where it should be, and you know, it, it affects the whole team. That's um, true. Twenty four points. Yeah, I'm I'm happy for Hayward for some reason. I mean, I feel bad for the guy for for you know having to deal with where he is now. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I just sort of expected it from the Hornets today, and I just feel that the Rockets aren't a hundred percent gelled yet with their new you know lineup. Losing Harden and all that, um, they don't really know who their go-to is right now. Sometimes it's Wood, sometimes it's Wall, sometimes it's you know Depot. You don't really know yet. So until they figure that out, that's how it's going to be. Well, you know, in the same manner, the game of saying that they are on uh, roll. Right any thoughts? I am definitely agreeing with the fact that the Hornets have been playing on another level. You know. You got Hayward wanting to prove a point. You've got obviously ball, just for lack of a better word, and the pun balling out. 
Um, and the Rockets, you know, they're kind of a hot mess right now. I mean, let's not. We've got rumors <laughs> of Oladipo being traded by management. So I'm surprised he even pitched in 21 points. But after that landmark trade, everything kind of mm-hmm. fell apart for them, you know, after Harden out- jumped ship to Brooklyn. Like, they're still trying to figure out the pieces. They never were really the greatest team in terms of being like team, a team. So mm-hmm. I'm not surprised with the score. Uh, and you've got a younger squad in the Hornets. Mm-hmm. You've got a veteran in Hayward who can reach out to the likes of Rose and um, Zeller. So you know what? I'm all for it. I actually don't mind rooting for Charlotte because the longest time they were kind of a laughing stock in the NBA. That's true. And props to Miles Bridges, man. Like 19 and 10. Mm-hmm. He did. He made a hell of an impact today. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Javier and I will handle this next one. The Wizards uh, and the sh- the Wizards beat I mean, the Chicago Bulls guys, 105, I mean, 101. I did enjoy uh, that it was like a close game towards the end because I mean in the fourth quarter it was you know 23-22 quarter score. And um, <clears throat> watching all of these guys ball out, I mean, Zach Levine with 35 for the Bulls, I mean, you got to give him credits for that, especially, you know, after like how we were talking about recovering from injuries. But um, in terms of the Wizards, you know, Bradley Beal with 35 as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just really happy for him and how he's performing right now. I think, you know, as much as... Um, mm-hmm. He may feel like he may want to leave one way or another. I mean, um, he's just balling out. You know, he's giving, you know, whatever he can. And, you know, I mean, 35, 7, and 5, it's not bad. It's not bad. I mean, that's all I have to say. Um, but aside from that, I mean, Hachimura is doing pretty good. 19. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, 19 and 36 minutes. And aside from that, mm-hmm. I mean, you know, looking at the Bulls I'm box score, it's just Levine doing a lot. Mm-hmm. They are young with 14, but after that, it's just Zach. What about you, Ignacio? Yeah, uh, you could. Uh, one of the things you could see from for me is Avdia had an had an off game, uh, but he's a young he's a young kid. He's still trying to learn the ins and outs of the of the NBA, especially coming from Israel. Uh, so you know you're allowed an off game every once in a while too. Uh, I am happy though that for for Hachimura he's starting to like show a lot more of his value, especially now that he's probably one of the primary yeah. options. He's not you know he's not going to be over Bradley Beal in terms of scoring yeah. for sure, but signs of life. You know, at least he's showing that he can step up to be one of those options. For Chicago, yeah, signs mm-hmm. of life for Chicago. I kind of wanted to see a little bit more out of Kobe White because I think that he can actually be like one of the, not if not the best, at least of a notable point guard in the East or at least in the NBA in the next few years. Uh, I guess overshadowed by the fact that that draft that his draft class had John ja Morant. So in terms, yeah. I guess that draft class's point guards are always going to be held to the standard of did mm-hmm. he beat John ja Morant or did he, you know. Did he ever do better than John Morant? Okay. Uh, back to um, back to Miguel and Anton. Raptors one twenty eight, Grizzlies one thirteen. 
surprising actually. I was expecting more from Memphis today. Um, you know, I think Memphis is coming off. Uh, you know, a few bad games in the in you know the past few days. I was expecting more from them, but dude, Raptors without Kyle Lowry, um, you have like three ultimately high scoring people right now. I mean, the Siakam with thirty two, Van Vliet with another thirty two coming off. You know, Fred Van Vliet. Yep, a, a few days ago, I think was it yesterday or two days ago, he had the fifty point game. Yeah. So yeah, coming off that, and then I mean, dude, Powell with twenty nine. A few days ago, that's that's yeah. that's a that's nuts. I mean, three people with all with, well, close to thirty points at, at each, you know, and then you have Memphis, John Morant, not not having much of his usual game. I mean, he did pour in eighteen, but you know, he's the type that he needs to score at least twenty two or higher for their team to win. Um, but yeah, I think I expected more from Memphis today. I was hoping they would actually get a win. Um, but dude, I did not expect the Raptors to explode like that today. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anton? Oh, because I'm on the same, like, we're on the same boat. I do agree that we both expected more from Memphis. But I know it sounds cliche. This is where your championship and playoff experience come into play for the likes of Toronto. Yeah, it's true. They don't have much in terms of contribution for Lowry. They did lose Kawhi a couple of years ago. But the fact that Siakam was your go-to guy for like the past two years, and he has loaded into what I can only say is an all-star at this point, Van Fleet coming from undrafted to pretty much a savior of Toronto at this point. I have to agree with Jim. These guys are going to be your anchors for the next few seasons, you know. Because for sure, Lowry cannot sustain the same scoring he has for the past few years. He's getting on in age. But you've got these three new guys. And you know what? I'm all for Toronto winning this. Uh, I think the downside, the likes of the team with Memphis and their lineup, is that the, the dependency on someone like Moran, who's essentially in a second year to be scoring on average, of more than 20 points. And that, I think, is the problem in terms of coaching. When you focus too much on one player, for sure, the rest of whoever their opponent will be will focus their defense on him. So it's a good thing that, yeah. you know, Jonas did pretty mm-hmm. well. But if Morant isn't doing well and he's guard, he's being doubled or triple teamed, then that's felt doom for your team. So, yeah, I got to agree with JM. Bad showing for Memphis, but... It's a good sign for Toronto fans, and I'm all for it because, man, they got screwed over by Kawhi. I'm still not over it, you know, picking the Clippers over them after winning a championship. But, you know, it is what it is. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so for the next one, I I can already hear the fanfare. Vera and I will handle this one. The Timberwolves, 122. Dallas Mavericks, 127. I'm still, I'm still disappointed though. But go ahead, Ignacio. <laughs> yeah. For... Go, go. Uh, so okay. I'll, I'll start it off, and then I'll let you do the final thoughts on it. Um, KP showed up today for Doncic, which is good. You know, past past few games, Porzingis wasn't really showing up, and 
Uh, Doncic was really needing help in those past few games, especially those close games against Phoenix, um, against the Warriors. Uh, I do think they need more nights like this from the rest of their team, just so that Doncic can take a load off his shoulders. Because if he's essentially facilitating everything and his teammates have an off night, then he's practically screwed. Um, Minnesota did, you know, Anthony Edwards with another high-scoring game. Good good for the first-round pick. Uh, D'Angelo Russell didn't play as much. I think, was he injured? uh, Yeah, he, he played... Yeah, he, he played about five and a half minutes. Uh, no Carl Anthony Towns as well for Minnesota. So, yeah, the mm-hmm. they were looking for scoring options. Good thing that Malik Beasley stepped up as well with 30 points. Um, but without, you know, without guys who are used to finishing close games like this, like D'Angelo Russell and Carl Anthony Towns, they're probably they're going to have a hard time. Uh, I mean, honestly... Yes, I mean, Mr. Maverick. Know, I was watching the Mr. game and then I had to log off. For Maverick. A while. And then when Mr. I saw Maverick. the halftime score, I was like, what the hell is happening? I mean, I think these guys were up by like 20 or something. Like, it was like 64, 20, I don't know, 20 or 40 something. I mean, almost 20 points. And I was like, okay, sounds like a pretty good game to like keep a watch on. And then I figure out that, you know, they come up from behind eventually. And they finished the game 127, 122. And I was like, nope, not enough. Um, <clears throat> in terms of the teams, yep, Luka Doncic finally got his help. Like what you said, uh, KP definitely showed up. Thank goodness he did. Um, again, you know, I'm still a fan of Tim Hardaway Jr. He had 24. And then Josh Richardson with 18. But um, getting back to Tim Hardaway Jr., um, I like the guy. I mean, you know, I see his grit. I see his work ethic. I mean, you know, he tries whatever he can in whatever way he can to help out the team. But I'm just really happy that the Mavericks won this one. I think they're on a two-game win streak, if I'm not mm-hmm. mistaken. Because um, they won over the Warriors, which was like, what a game. Especially for Steph. That man mm-hmm. just went off. But uh, yeah, I'm happy for the Mavericks, finally. I mean, if they can keep this up, they they yeah. still can turn the season around. I mean, they're 11 for 14. And you know that wasn't the Mavericks I remember last year, so I don't, I really don't know what's what their problems are. I'll have to take a look mm-hmm. again. As for the Timberwolves, um, maybe if D'Angelo Russell didn't have to leave, mm-hmm. and maybe if Carl uh, Anthony Towns was actually there, we could have had like a more entertaining game, or they probably could have won. That's how not confident I am with the Mavs right now, because um, <clears throat> I mean they feel lost honestly, but. Um, props to props to Beasley, you know, with 30 and Anthony Edwards at 22. Um, I'll give them, you know, a round of applause, you know, just to keep up the fight. Because, I mean, the fourth quarter scoring, I mean, you know, it's just 45 to 32 in favor of the Timberwolves. And I was like, yo, it's a good thing these guys held on. I mean, the only highlight I remember seeing was, you know, KP from Steph Curry range in the first quarter. And I was like, oh, there it is. There's our unicorn. But uh, yeah, finally, it's, it just feels a little better knowing that they're doing <laughs> a little better. You know, every win counts. Mm-hmm. So, all right, for the next game, I'm I'm rearranging this a little bit, just so I I I want to hear Anton's thoughts on this one. 
off the back of a double OT game. Antonio, the Lakers one nineteen. I don't know what to tell you. The Thunder one twelve. Miguel Anton game. But if LeBron does not get any other help at this point, the man is gonna like really like bleed himself dry at this. The guy just won you in double overtime. He had to go through another overtime, and without two of his um, other like top tier players not playing today. And I mean, I should be happy that they won, but in terms of like long term usage, he's not gonna do fare so well in the playoffs. They keep going through games like this, and he's not gonna get his rest, no matter how we spin it. He's a machine, yes, but he is 36 fucking years old, you know. And there's only so much that body can take. I'm happy they won, but I'm not so happy with the way he's being used in terms of like minutes. Uh, in terms of the game, it was competitive. You know, I'm happy for OKC that they kept it close. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being a fan of not really the Lakers, but of LeBron, I wish it would have been a little more, like the leads probably would have been a little wider. But, you know, you got to be happy in terms of a, as a basketball fan that these young guns really came out to play. I mean, I can't emphasize the fact that Basley was balling today. Even in terms of shooting, it wasn't the best. The guy had 21 and 16. And that is not easy, uh, you know, compared to the bigs of LA. And the only rebounding mm-hmm. highlight for me in LA was really LeBron and Kuzma. You would have expected the likes of, you know, Harrell and even Gasol. But they didn't really perform that well in terms of, like, boxing out. So, yeah. I mean, my thoughts are LA is going to need to figure out their new lineup, their rotations. It's early in the season, but I am legit worried about LeBron's usage rate at this point. Yeah. You know, I got to agree with Anton. I yeah, mean, rare. Holy shit. no, 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 dude. This, this is, to our shit. viewers listening right now, <laughs> you have just heard something. It's like, <laughs> Oh, dude, there's a unicorn. Anyway, wow! <laughs> no, 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 that's but, amazing. No, dude, it's it's more yeah. of I agree that the Lakers have to figure figure something <laughs> out. I mean, they're they're way too dependent on LeBron right now, and I mean, honest to God, I don't. You know, I I I never really liked the guy. I hate the guy, if if you know, for lack of better word. But I have nothing but respect for the guy right now. After, after what he did last year, after what he did the last two years, you know, taking all that criticism from everyone, especially me. Although it doesn't really matter. But anyway, but the guy is just you know he's he's on a different level, you know, physically. And like Anton said, it's you know eventually the body's just gonna give up. The guy is he again. He's thirty six years old, and he's not getting any younger. Even though he spends so much on his health, but you know, eventually the body's just gonna give up. And you know, for for the Lakers to not have another option aside from LeBron, especially when Davis is out, you know, they have to figure something out. I mean, they have the like they actually have superstar talent in the bench that they're not utilizing as much, like. You know, Kuzma could have stepped up more today. Um, you know, Harrell had twenty-one and eight, but like Anton said, 
you know, for a big guy, he only had eight rebounds, out rebounded by Kuzma, who's like, you know, practically half his size and shorter. Um, Gasol, you know, with all that playoff experience and, you know, championship experience, he only had two points, knowing that, you know, he's, he's supposed to be the backup big man, you know, from, from Davis. And, you know, the Lakers got the win, but it didn't come easy, obviously. And, you know, um, on the other on the other side, like with OKC, it's nice seeing the young ones come up. It's nice seeing the younger players, you know, step up, you know, to a different level after losing Chris Paul. Um, you know, they're they're turning into like, you know, that team that just, you know, everyone is just contributing for 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 that team. And you know, it's nice to see Diallo getting twenty and eleven. It's nice to see. Um, you know, vets like Horford still mm-hmm. making an impact. But, you know, I think this game was more of a test for LA if they're going to be able to sustain that same championship level throughout the season, especially when, you know, they have stars out. I don't know. It's 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 questionable right now. But, again, you, you kind of have to be, you know, if you're another team, if you're some other team aside from LA, you still have to kind of fear LeBron when he gets into his playoff mode. But, you know, how much more can he take before the playoffs for him to have that, you know, to be at that playoff LeBron level again? But, I'm just yeah, hoping so, he pulls so, off a Brady, you know. Uh, well, I, he, I mean, he's, the guy's he's much there. older, but, you know, that, that's my point. Like, if you piss him off, he will ball out. I just don't want to <laughs> seven, to rings, that point. Bro, seven rings. Exactly. But, you know, again, Do how want much it? more yeah. can he take? Yeah. How much more can he take? But, you know, LA, I was, honestly, I was expecting LA to blow the game out even yeah. without Davis. But, that's it. They, they, you know, they, they just won by seven. They yeah. should be winning by like 15 or 20. OP, exactly. Exactly. And I gotta take issue before we end like the lineup or just talking about this game. That was the dumbest foul by KCP. You're already well, up by three, man. Like, just put your hands up. He wasn't gonna make the shot. Instead, you gave yeah. him three, you know, open free throws towards the tail end of the game. I swear, sometimes you know, KCP tests my patience, and like, he comes up great in the playoffs, but during regular games, he's like. Pretty much gray shirt, dud. <laughs> like, horrible. Or that guy that, you know, you had me play with who couldn't shoot for shit. <laughs> like, Your for those friend? that don't know, that, that probably was the worst, like, pickup game in the history of pickup games. Hey, but you have to give it to that guy. He asked for the ball like he knew what he was going to do with it. That's... I think you might have to explain to the listeners who gray shirt was. Oh no, gray shirt was pretty much if you've ever played like pickup basketball, you will always run into a guy who's like maximum intensity but no talent. That that was who gray shirt was. But the other person that we had played with, um, and the brothers will know this, nice guy and all, but my god, it would frustrate you to no end if that was your teammate. Because you'd be down twenty, he still believed that you could win if it was a race to twenty one. But they're down twenty. <laughs> like never yeah, say die yeah. in the wrong place in the wrong time. Hey, but you gotta admire that fighting spirit. I would admire it more if he made the shot. Uh, dude, he made one he <laughs> made one point, shot. Man. He made one shot, then he's like, Let's go, Anton, let's go, we can win this. 
2016, man. Like, I don't know how you expect us to do this in a pickup game of 21, but sure. Let me just grab my cigarettes, you know, might as well lose in style. But yeah, oh, moving wow. on, moving on. Okay. <laughs> okay. If, sorry, but before we get it, before we get out of that, so Not Anton, even, I think where would you rank KCP as LeBron's first teammate? Like, rank him number what? You know, Lance All time LeBron's first teammate. He has his up and down. He's not a Delonte West in terms of the worst teammate ever for LeBron for personal and professional reasons. Uh, KCP probably if top ten, he'd probably be number nine. I'm just really ripping into him right now because he has not been thinking straight in terms of how he plays sometimes. Talented shooter, but in terms of like decision making, you can tell he's unsure. But playoff mm-hmm. KCP has, you know, you know, um, proven me wrong. So maybe, maybe it comes out early. You never know. Oh. Okay then, um, Javier. This is for um, both of us. Warriors one hundred, uh, the Spurs one hundred five. Side it out. Did Steph ball out again? Yeah. yeah Steph didn't. had 32, 32.7 rebounds, six assists. I mean, dude, it's Steph Curry. Ten of seventeen. So ten of seventeen shooting. Six of eleven man, from I mean, three. You can't underestimate the power of pop especially with a young team like this or with like a team with no defined superstars but um uh again you know it all comes down to how uh the whole system works and even until now popovich still proves that he can still make something work you know that's that's all i can say about the game Yeah, I'm gonna have to say the same. He's kind of got DeRozan playing at a different level. I can, I guess, I want to say like at a more efficient level compared to how he was in Toronto. Uh, but uh, the difference is DeRozan was in his prime in Toronto. I think he's a little bit past mm-hmm. his prime now in the Spurs. He's still good, don't get me wrong, but not as you know. If they were to play one on one, Toronto DeRozan versus Spurs DeRozan. Uh, Toronto, DeRozan would probably dominate oh. that one. Or would win that. Uh, this is a pretty wild stat. DeJounte Murray had eight steals. Eight steals, 27 points, 10 rebounds. Almost a triple-double for him. Uh, no LaMarcus Aldridge still for the, for the Spurs. The rookie, Devin Vassell. 10 points, two, two rebounds. Not bad. Um, Keldon Johnson, 9.6 six rebounds. Uh, Juan White, ah, De- Juan White, Derek White for the Spurs mm-hmm. didn't have it today. One, one out of 11 makes one, one field goal made, 11 attempted, 9%. Uh, and I think Steve Kerr said in the press conference, they're not, uh-huh. they're not risking, um, Steph's health. For a playoff spot, if it's not in reach, so I think right now they're just kind of trying to feel out the how the West is shaping up. 
and seeing if they can make either one of the eight playoff spots or one of the play-in spots, you know? Uh-huh. So, just, if you have no more comment with that, uh, last two games, uh, so this one, know, past the Cavs, and else. I, Cavaliers I 113, the Cavs Suns 119. Season, and they have been somehow. I mean, they're not, their their record says otherwise. 10, and 10, 10 wins, 15 losses so far, but you know, um, they're just, they're, they're kind of the team that you don't want to face right now because they're just too pesky. You know, you they're the team that people expect to, like, blow out all the time, especially. I mean, they don't have, like, a super, super, superstar. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have Drummond, they have Sexton, who's, you know, playing at a different level also this season. But um, I honestly would have wanted the Cavs to win this one, but, you know, Phoenix... With the impact of Chris Paul, even though, you know, he didn't play, I think he's, you know, he didn't play today. But the way he's, you know, he's rubbed off to the rest of the team, it's just, you know, yeah, that leadership play. is just done wonders for the team also. Um, Devin Booker, obviously, you know, the scorer that he is, he had 36 today, but... Um, it was a pretty good matchup between Booker and Sexton today, 23 for Sexton. But um, again, in general, the Cavs are, you know, they, they have it figured out somehow. They just can't seem to close games. They, you know, they stick so well. They stick so close throughout the entire game. But, you know, one one lapse in the game mm-hmm. or one moment that, you know, the other team starts to lead by six, by seven, and all that. Then they just let go. They just let, you know, everything falls apart for them. Um, honestly, uh, if, you know, the Suns won, but I would have expected them to win by bigger, given that, you know, all that firepower that they have. But again, the Cavs are just too pesky to, to you know, just be blown out like that. But yeah, that's it in general for me. Everything that JM said, like it's a good read of how the Cavaliers aren't the same washout team that they were years ago. You know, we were th- we were talking about this, I think, in a couple of other conversations where you see the impact of superstars leaving their mm-hmm. old team and how the dynamic changes. I, you know, this for me, the Cavaliers has changed for the good, for the better. Um, yeah, they lost LeBron. Yes, they lost. Um, Kyrie, but with the likes of Sexton and you know, even Foro, who is figures, if you look at numbers today, are not the best, but the past two games, he's made such a great impact to the team that it's like JM said, they are a pesky team, and whenever you see that kind of team in your schedule or your lineup, it's not the, it's not the team that you initially would feel like, oh, it's going to be a, you're going to easy win, you're going to coast to an easy win. You're gonna actually regret facing the Cavaliers now because they're gonna give you a hard time. It's kind of like harking back to the original Cavs, where they were still a gutsy team. They weren't flashy. Uh, this was like, um, if you recall, like back during the Jordan era, the Cavs were actually the team to beat. They're nowhere near that, but they have mm-hmm. the same DNA. I, you know, I'm going as far as to say they they kind of have a similar DNA now, that they believe in getting the gutsy win or making it as competitive as possible. So like JM, I would have wanted them to win today, mm-hmm. but 
if you look at the box score and you look at the highlights, I would take this as a win if I were you know part of Cavs management. This record is better than how they, where where they were last year. You know, ten and fourteen, yeah, it's below you know five hundred, but it's not bad. Mm-hmm. As for the Suns, they would have done a, they should have done a better showing. You know, you get thirty six from Booker. You're expecting a blowout. You get twenty two. I'm not sure if it's twenty two. Yeah, twenty two from Bridges, and fifteen from Aiton, seventeen from Moore. You get figures like that from four out of your five starters. You would expect a blowout. And I think that, for me, speaks volumes of how the coaching for the Suns has been. Um, if you're relying too much on your offense and lackluster defense, it'll it'll really like bleed out. And that's mm-hmm. the box score for me is like proof of that. Sure, it's a great win, you know, and they still got a win. But if you break the game, there are a lot of flaws there. Uh, in terms of turnovers, man, you look at their turnovers today, they weren't pretty. I mean, they had a little less than 10, but they were crucial turnovers. So, yeah, um, I'm actually happy that the Cavs played relatively well. Good job to Phoenix for, you know, pulling out that mm-hmm. win, but they should have done better. I agree with JM on that aspect. Um, the Suns should have done better mm-hmm. because they are more talented than Cleveland. But, you know, Cleveland's a good team. There's no way to go around that. They actually are a pretty competitive team. So, yeah. Okay. Sorry, what? All right. Um, and final game of the air. Bucks one twenty five, Nuggets one twelve. Hmm. Why don't you go uh, ahead? Bucks Bucks one twenty five, Denver Nuggets one twelve. Alright, so uh <clears throat> obviously the key battle here was going to be the battle of the MVP candidates. So there's Janis going up against Nikola Jokic. Uh Janis had 30 points, 9 rebounds, and 3 blocks. Jokic had 35 points, 12 rebounds, and mm-hmm. 6 assists. Uh, shot 50% from the field, while Giannis shot a little under that. Um, if you take away those two people, that that's where you can kind of see the contest. And I don't know if there's something going on in Denver, but Jokic or... Yanis got more help in this game from his teammates. Better all-around game from them, especially from Chris Middleton and Dante DiVincenzo. While Denver, outside of Will Barton, didn't really get any help. Uh, Jokic didn't really get any help. I mean, you had Millsap contribute with 14, but if he was being outplayed by the likes of Brook Lopez, uh, or at least he was being given a hard time by Brook Lopez, he wouldn't really, you know... You wouldn't really eight points, man. You'd be surprised he didn't do a little better. Michael Porter Jr. kind of a quiet night. Um, yeah, Jamal Murray was off too. Four out of seventeen from the field. So Denver had or Jokic didn't have that much help. Still played amazing though. Giannis still trying to continue keeping the Bucks up there in the East. I think their number, they're, yeah, they're one or two. Uh, 
they're uh, they're near the top spot near uh near philadelphia um thank goodness chris middleton uh, was doing something also with 29 points um moving on to the nuggets i mean Jokic with 35 i mean it's sort of expected with how he's been performing mm-hmm. as well and um you know will barton and jamal murray i mean Barton even more with 24. But Jamal Murray, I mean, you know, I, I think I would have expected mm-hmm. more from him. Um, also because I guess I'm also a little more familiar with him compared to Barton. But um, uh, with the Bucks winning, I mean, you know, they sort of stormed the back the second half, you know. I mean, they scored 34 in the third and 32 in the mm-hmm. fourth. So that sort of uh, put down the Nuggets, especially after, you know, um, uh, losing a little bit to the in the second quarter, you know. But um, generally, um, good job, Dionis, and how he's been doing. So I mean, you know, he's been, you know, again, like what you said, he's been keeping this team afloat. But um, you know, you'd 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 like to hear or see more effort a little bit from his teammates as well. So, yeah. <clears throat> So, uh, uh, anything else you guys want to add? No. That was a quick recap. Uh, anything you guys predictions to maybe add? for tomorrow? Uh, any last thoughts? Like, yeah. Uh, Portland's playing. Well, the only yeah. the game I'm gonna be watching there sure. is the Knicks and the Heat. You know who I'm gonna be there for there anyway. No, uh, no. You know what? The, the game I'd want. <laughs> to keep my eye on is Boston and Utah. Well, do the Lakers have a game? Utah's been playing really well. They're yes. Number one in the so... Dude, they're number one in the league. That's true. They are yeah. number one in the league. And the thing with Utah, every every game they play is either a blowout or like a really close loss. Yeah. So, so you know, they're like getting towards the right direction. Like, they're a team to watch. Yeah. So true. Um, well, it's good mm-hmm. to have Anton and Miguel on the podcast. Uh, nice to see uh, you. Are there any final thoughts um, you want to add? As for Miguel, I mean, um, among this group to our listeners, Miguel is really also very invested in the NBA. Yes, yes. Um, pretty much well-versed. I mean, he's played the game as well on a varsity level. So he also knows a lot of... A lot of the nuances that are included. I mean, Anton and Ignacio know a lot, but Miguel also can and will draw from personal experience. I mean, he's been through a lot. Like what you guys have heard, you know, he's had two ACLs, um, been through a bunch of shoes, didn't really care what happened, but you know, uh, all's fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, great. I mean, I think this is the first episode we've gone like 104 minutes. So, um, yeah, for you. Mm, right. We've had longer. I think the second episode we had when we discussed the James Harden one went yeah. a little. A little yeah, it, it, it went a little longer. So, um, you know, oh, no, no, no. Nice. It was on our <laughs> twenty-four. Yeah, this is the longer, longest sure. one we've done sure. so far. Yeah, sure. We'll have yeah. We'll pick up some schedules. Yeah, we're we um, you know we maybe we'll mature. see like a future Anton versus Miguel debate. 
Yeah. Um, little... I think it's just us getting old. We just got gotten really old. We're just tired most of the time. Yeah. Plus, you know, no sense. <laughs> I don't know arguing about it anymore. Yeah, I mean, I prefer like politics and like we'd just actually oh, be on the please. same boat. We'd be on the same boat. We'd just be like two cantankerous old men. Yep. So maybe one of those episodes. Yeah. Which I think we shouldn't touch on it. But... Yeah. yeah. Maybe not touch on it. Or just like speak in basketball terms. Or you mean yeah. the guy that looks like a basketball. You know, his nose looks yeah, like a basketball. It's, it's in the one, sense that, one. you know, you could want to dribble yeah. that piece of shit. Yeah, that, that guy. That yeah. guy. Yeah. You wouldn't even want to hold that ball, dude. Mm, that's true. It's like, it's a, it's a basketball rolled in cow shit. That is the only <laughs> way to describe it. <laughs> uh, close enough. Yeah, pretty close. So, yeah, I think, you know, um, gone are the days where JM and I would, like, have hours and hours of debating, like, not yeah. just favorite players, but generally like, well, basketball, sports. We kind of yeah. found that, like, balance, which is good. Thank God. No, man. Like, you get Thank tired God. after a while. Yeah, you do. And, you know, there are just other other things to worry about. Exactly. Yeah, That's LeBron true, still yeah. sucks, though, but. Uh, well, you know, Melo win the ring first. Oh. I mean, no matter what we spin it, I still haven't yeah. seen Melo get that ring. But sure. Yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> there we go. In one other, some, some other podcast. Uh, but you know what? I will respect James' favorite player. Like, that is a guy who loves the game. I can't, I can't even hate him. As much as there's vitriol on yeah. James, and like that is a guy who, no matter what, even with or without a ring, will go down as one of yeah. the guys who love the game through and through. Yeah, no excuses. So true. So true. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like yeah. I don't really like oh, Kyrie sure. as much now. He's talented. Future Hall of Famer for sure. Like if he's got the, his heart he's in gotta it, be as much Hall as Hall I like the mellow and. That generation, Melo, Dwayne Wade, you know, Chris Paul, they really mm-hmm. had a certain like a banana coach. boat crew. Yeah, there's something about that generation that just loved the game more. This yeah. younger generation just became all about, oh, I want to do my sage. I want to focus on me or go to a strip club during the quarantine. I don't understand. Yeah. But yeah. Yes. Yeah, <laughs> his favorite team. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Your Brooklyn Nets, everybody. <laughs> that was a great episode. Ah, yes, it was. Was <laughs> anyway, so yeah, if if yeah, the, if there's nothing there. else, uh, great great episode, guys. Yep. Uh, it's fine. Oh, um, by the way, before we end this, uh, this one's for Anton. Mm, Bao wanted right. me to ask you this because we recorded an episode about injuries, um, and. Somehow it got into like a top, into like okay. a Mount Rush, a UFC, not UFC, MMA Mount Rushmore. Uh, MMA who Mount is your, who is on your MMA Mount Rushmore? And I guess, but, yeah, I'm and I guess Miguel and Avery can also ask this. I think if I recall, <clears throat> wait, mm-hmm. so I think of what Pao said, his Mount Rushmore was GSP, uh, Khabib. Mm-hmm. GSP Khabib, BJ Penn, I think. GSP Khabib, BJ Penn, and one other guy. I forgot who. Um, what about for you, Anton? Who would be uh, on your like well, MMA do, like, Mount Rushmore? 
I, I want to do this in terms of like weight class also because in terms of flyweight, the way he defined, you know, mm-hmm. is that weight class and the way he defined his career in flyweight, you got to give it to Connor without moving up. He really took that particular mm-hmm. weight class by storm. So for okay. me, he will count as one spot for flyweight. There's mm-hmm. no question GSP is part always will always be part of my mm-hmm. um, Mount Rushmore because it's the sheer talent that guy had and the way he changed the game. You know, for all for all the drama that came with him, I gotta mm-hmm. I gotta give John Jones credit where it's due. That guy is a beast. For all the cocaine fueled rage and craziness that guy you know okay. had in his career, the way he dominated <laughs> and the fights he had. Especially Gustafson. Mm-hmm. That, that is a classic through mm-hmm. and through. And the way he owned DC. There is no question that DC became Jones' mm-hmm. pitch. I'm sorry. DC's talented, but he could not figure out Jones. So that, he's number three. Uh, I got to go number four for the heavyweights. I'm going to go all <laughs> the way back. Because the one guy that got me into the UFC from day one um, was Dan Severn and Roy mm-hmm. Gracie. These two were the pioneers for me oh, for UFC. Okay. When before it was um, MMA, it was like bare knuckle fighting, and I just got hooked. So yeah, Roy Gracie because of the grappling, and he kind of set mm-hmm. the bar for submissions. Dan Severn because he was the godfather of ground and pound and just pure, like pure power. So yeah, those. Yeah, he would really just literally beat the shit out of you until you were like. Pure beat the shit out of you. So yeah, uh, those are probably like my top five if mm-hmm. I were to pick off the top of my head. Okay. Wasn't Dan Severn mm, like in was wrestling also? I don't like, remember him. Like, I think you're thinking about Ken Shamrock though. Yeah, Dan Severn was just like a brawler through and through. Right, right, right. Uh, for you, Miguel, do you have do you have any top five, uh, or do you have any? Well, top five. If, if not a top maybe, five, like notable well, ones. Again, you can't you can't discount GSP. He has to be up there. GSP definitely. Um, BJ Penn definitely. I mean, the rivalry mm-hmm. between the two was just insane, and you know, mm-hmm. it would always end up. You know, you really wouldn't know who'd win until they'd announce the winner or if there was a submission or a knockout or whatever. But yeah, those two definitely, for some weird reason, um, probably a lot of people will disagree with me. But personally, it was because of him that I started watching UFC. It was, you know, Ken Shamrock. Um, Shamrock was, I don't know, he was just a mean beast when it came to the UFC. I mean, all those submissions, all those uh, those brawls that he had also. Um, those three, uh, because of how technical he was and how much he screwed and fucked with your head, uh, Anderson Silva is definitely up there for me. I don't know, the guy was... I don't know, he just... He'd mess with your head so much that uh-huh. that's probably why you'd lose the fight eventually. Um... I, I don't know if I have a fifth, but yeah, those those four guys for me are up there. Wait, when you yeah. say Mount Rushmore, though, just to clarify, are we talking like both those genders? Because if we're okay. talking women, 
that's a whole other discussion together. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, because that, that's... Mm, let's, let's stick with... Yeah, I, yeah, I think we can expand on this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? If we do that, Let's actually bring Pao on. Remember, it. like, since we're on the top, yeah. you guys ever remember, like, that very, like, yeah, so we can went viral years later, Don Fry and Yoshiro, mm-hmm. the one that went viral in Japan where they're just beating the shit out of each Dude, other for, like, yeah. for the entire match. For the entire match. Yeah, and that... then they came out of the, you know, the octagon, like, what the hell happened to you it's guys? insane. Like, that for me, he yep. wasn't top, one of my top, but Don Fry gained my respect. Mm-hmm. In, in that sense, because he was like, okay, all American brawler. Like, yep. but yeah, just, just to add to that, Don Fry for me is probably one of the reasons also I fell in love with MMA. You know who was such a letdown though? Sorry, I think uh, since we're ahead. talking about brawlers. Okay. Um, the biggest letdown for me was Kimbo Slice. Oh, yeah. Well, I got it. He agree. was, um, I mean, all that hype with him, you know, all those viral videos mm-hmm. of him street fighting and like brawling in the streets and then comes into an MMA, I mean, the the UFC octagon and he's like, what? Yeah. Who are you? And like, dude, I, I, he didn't do anything. Yeah, I think, you know, if, no matter what way you spin it, he was not meant to be an MMA fighter. Um, background, you know, backyard brawler, sure. He, he did train his ass off. That's what everyone was saying. But Sometimes it's really not meant for you. He beat Tank Abbott, yeah. but Tank Abbott was like getting old. Well, Tank plus Tank Abbott was like mm-hmm. literally just a guy who stood there and threw punches. Yeah, pretty much. So you know, it works for some. Uh, Kimbo Slice, you know, God rest his soul, you know, was not the best MMA fighter, but the one True. I gotta say was able to like surpass our mm-hmm. since we're talking about the opposite of that now. Brock Lesnar came out of nowhere, man. True, true. Sure, he's an All-American, but I did mm-hmm. not see that coming. When he yeah. beat... Um, shoot, who was the champion at that time? Mm-hmm. Randy Couture. Like, Randy uh, Couture yeah, was, yeah, yeah. Like, during his resurgence... Randy, Randy Couture, Couture right? Really well. But Brock just, like, really surprised me if it weren't for like that mm-hmm. um disease he would have actually lasted longer in terms of his mma career yeah yeah true way off topic mm-hmm. okay, okay. Mm. well how about this maybe yeah how about this maybe like yeah, why not uh maybe this weekend we can do one yeah, where it's about, about ufc like let's shift or you know what why not link uh, you guys, you guys UFC, free on the weekend? Like who you want to see in a UFC ring? <laughs> Ron Artest. We yeah, can we can include that for the for the episode Rodman, on Saturday. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, we'll see. We'll save that. Yep. Let, let's yeah. yeah. Let's save. Let's save it. Uh, let's save it uh, for the um yeah, the Saturday work for you guys. If it's probably late night, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Let's gauge it. I mean, I think we can yep. make it work. Yep, we'll see. All right. Okay. Um, I'll I'll start writing the outline. Um, Javier, you game for that? See, but I'll try to come on. Uh, cause I'm moving. I think tomorrow on Thursday, so I may not be there on Saturday. I'll let you guys know. Okay, oops. All right. Well, now we can now we can actually close it. Uh. 
yeah, so everyone, thanks again for listening in on this two-hour episode of the Boss of the Ball podcast. Um, this is your boy, Ivan Ignacio. Always late, yep, but and... always here. <laughs> yep, and this is Miguel, JM to a lot, but yeah, Miguel to a lot more. <laughs> thanks for having me, guys. Real dude, anytime. Yeah, yeah. thank you. And... Good night. Yes. So, signing off. <laughs>